standard issue for all women. All right, Mickey here, welcoming you to this week's Sunday Chops. Welcome, come on in. Can I get you a brew? Ribena? Gin? I neither know nor judge your life. So, if you've been enjoying our working class content recently, and I'm talking interviews with Sophie Willen and Lindsay Hanley, and chats about the film Rocks and the documentary Harlan County, USA, all well worth your ears, then have I another doozy for you? Yes, yes I have. That was rhetorical. Because I chatted with writer Natasha Carthew, the founder and director of the Working Class Writers Festival, which gets its first outing next weekend. Hand on heart, Natasha is a Bobby Dazzler. She's extremely talented, generous, fiercely proud of being working class and a force of nature when it comes to getting fair recognition for working class and in particular, working class women, writers of fiction, non-fiction and for telly and stage. Yeah, you can see why we like her, eh? The Working Class Writers Festival takes place in real life in and around Bristol, but there are also loads of events that can be attended online. And what's more, everything is free. Give the festival a follow at Class Festival on Twitter or visit bristolideas.co.uk to find out more about the very many excellent events taking place next weekend, October the 21st to the 24th. Terry White's there, Cash Carraway's there, Val McDermott's there, Sadie Hassler's there. It's going to be brilliant, as well as important. But enough of me, here's Natasha to tell you more. Natasha, hello. Hi, Mickey. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. I mean, there's loads to get through, so let's get straight to it. Go for it. This is the inaugural Working Class Writers Festival, and I know you have been working your arse off for three years to make this happen. Why do we need it? Oh, to me, it was just something I put out three years ago. I, I, I was going to festivals. I had a book out at the time, and I went to a festival which was very white, very middle class, very safe literary festival. And I had a moment where I just thought, I'm completely a fish out of water here. I'm working class. My book is about working class themes and issues, working class characters. And I just felt that even though the audience were happy to be listening to what I had to talk about, the other guests at the festival were, were just kind of safe bets. I had a moment where it was, why was this? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I started to chat to people and nobody was being paid. So that's number one. Nobody had been asked about their travel to get paid. I asked, can I, you know, are you paying for my train? So so it was those kind of things. So I really wanted to start a festival that addressed those things and also didn't just wait for the writer to say, look, I can't afford to get the train or I can't get a bus or whatever. So I wanted to put the financial kind of issue out of the way first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So people who could attend festivals, what I was seeing, people who were attending festivals were people who could afford to travel on their own coin they didn't have to ask about hotels. So that's why you were getting these same writers saying, yes, going to all these festivals, literary festivals, because they could. They didn't have childcare. They didn't have travel. travel. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to take time off work. So I thought, OK, we need to address this. We need to have a festival that everyone gets paid the same, even if you're a rock star, an author, you get paid the same amount yeah. as if you're a debut writer, a local writer. You know, So that was really important paying for people's travel and paying for hotel. Those were the top three things financially. But to answer your first question, we don't have a festival for working class people. And I think that was really important. There are so many writers in this country who are not getting a break. So I wanted it to be a kind of a showcase as well to say, look at these incredible writers you might not have heard of. So we've got a debut panel, for example. 
There's um, famous writers, people like Val McDermott, who people might not know is working class. So I want to bridge that kind of, you know, famous people, debuts and everybody in between. The financial stuff is so interesting because it's seen as in the UK, I think it's seen as a bit gauche to talk about money, but it's only it's only gauche to talk about money when you've got it. Like when you've not got it, it is your primary concern as to whether you can do something, whether you can access resources to even think about doing something. And this kind of stiff upper lip, we don't talk about it, doesn't damage the people who already have it. It damages the people who don't have it. And that's why I say to writers who can afford it, like I can afford to travel on my own money. But it's important that we all get paid the same so that we're supporting the ones who can't. It's really embarrassing for some people to say, will you pay for my train fare? Mm -hmm. Or they think it's going to jeopardise them being asked to a panel because they worry that an artistic director or whoever might turn around and say, well, actually... You know, no, we'll get somebody who, who won't be asking that question so that we've got more money in the pot to pay for the, for the big-ass writer kind of thing. That's the thing. And I say this a lot on panels when I'm talking to the publishing industry as well, is to ask that question before you need to be asked. So when you say to someone, you invite someone to an event or you invite someone down to work for pennies in the industry as an assistant editor or something like that, you know, just getting their CV up, say we will pay for your travel we will pay for your hotel or whatever because that to me is then that takes out that in that moment and I've had that when I was younger especially like with when I was a poet kind of traveling around it's really embarrassing to have to ask that question and ask it all the time and also then people might come back and say no so or they ignore you or they don't get back to you Mm -hmm. so therefore that's the question that always needs to be asked but yeah three years ago I, I after that that event that festival I just I put out a tweet and I said, hey, folks, you know, we need a writing festival. We need a festival of our own. What do you reckon? You know, just a, just an off, off the cuff kind of a Twitter thing. And it went mad. Yeah. People just were like, yes, yes, yes. And that was the moment when I was like, kind of like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to do this now. <laughs> Big mouth again, you know, like, oh, for God's sake. Because then you realise, and then you're doing it for people. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for everyone. And it's such a community of writers and a community of people and academics and people in publishing you know we've got events where we've got speed pitching that Hachette are putting on we're getting a hundred people coming in to do speed pitching coming into editors and agents who are working class editors and agents from Hachette so there again you've got people who can talk about the industry and people who want a foot up in industry in the industry the publishing industry will be able to have that opportunity to talk to people who are in that position and discuss what kind of barriers they had in their journey to become editors or agents or whatever else. Regular listeners will know that we wang on about class a lot. So this festival, when I spotted it on Terry White's timeline and Terry's at the festival, I was like, oh, this is bang up our strasser. It's because when we talk about diversity in the arts, and it's worth pointing out that the Working Class Writers Festival covers publishing and book writing, fiction, non-fiction, telly, all of the writing... That I'm talking sex, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, class, disability, age. And I'd say disability always gets chucked to the bottom of the pile and class is the next one up. So while it is still mostly ignored in debates about access and diversity, I mean, we're going to keep wanging on about it. Publishing is obviously your world and what you work in. So I wondered, what is the class divide in publishing like? Class divide in publishing is, is, you know, there's still a, a huge divide. I mean, people are trying a little bit more to make it more accessible for people to get a foot up. 
to get those internships and get them paid. But it was only a couple of years ago that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So again, it was, you can do this internship, but you're basically working for free as an editor or in any of the departments in publishing. So that has started to change in the last three, four years. That's definitely internships are now paid in publishing, but they still, what I sometimes talk about in panels, especially to people in publishing is that circle of influence. And it's so easy for people to just look at that circle of people, their immediate circle and say, yes, you can do the internship because your dad works with that guy who works in editing and it's that sort of thing. Or, you know, your mum went to university with my mum and they went to Oxford. Or And that's what we all miss out on as working class people. And this is something that a lot of people do not understand just because we don't get to talk about it enough. So this is why I kind of like traveling the country, banging my drums because people, nobody's mean and no middle-class people are me. It's not that, it's just that, it's, it's just about listening and having these discussions. And, and that's what it is in publishing, you know, and with writers as well, like with me, if I have a book out, of course, you're going to look at a few of your mates to kind of, you know, you don't always have people who are an editor at The Guardian or something like that. So it's, it's that level as well. A lot of people, a lot of middle class people are very well connected and most working class people are not well connected. So we are continually trying to push our work, push our books, and it is so much harder, so much harder than those people who have those connections and have those favours. Oh, and yeah, so-and-so is no so-and-so, so they can do that favour for you and write an article or it's still like this. This is the part that is very, very hard for working class writers is we are not that well connected we're getting there especially with this festival and i'm saying to people come grab people in the corridor you know go for a pint with different <laughs> editors different agents they're there for you and they are absolutely up for it because editors and agents also realize that that's where they get the best stories instead of just the, you know somebody an email coming through is meeting those people now more than ever in publishing it's about meeting those writers and getting their backstory as well and seeing where they're coming from you know and it's that authenticity again authentic voices there was a few years back i mean i know writers now who say they, they write in a, in a certain dialect they're passed over you know if it's a northern dialect or scottish you know it's a little bit more but as you say then that box is ticked so a publisher might say well we've got that scottish writer now who writes in a certain way mm -hmm. so therefore we can go a couple of years with just the normal middle england kind of bit posh normal and commas, yeah yeah and it's the same with all all areas of diversity as you say you know and it's like no you don't just say right okay we've published a black person that week then we can go a couple of weeks with you no know, it doesn't work like that it's pushing and it's continually you need to look outside that circle of influence because we can all do it. We can all be in our little pot of mates and it's easy to say, okay, you can get the gig or you can come on the panel with me or whatever. But I'm like, no, who do I not know? It's not who you do know, it's who you don't know, uh -huh. you know? And so it's throwing out that net. Right at the beginning with this festival, I was like, threw out a net and said, tell me who you are. If you don't know me, tell me, what are your books? Or for readers, who are you reading? Who is important? And it's the same with publishing as well. To publicists, I said, Tell me who you are publishing, who are working class. If you don't know they're working class, ask people, you know, just ask her, ask them. And then they're like, yeah, the people are just like really fired to, to come along and talk about their books and talk about their 
their identity and it, it comes back to identity as well it's very very important yeah yeah and you've mentioned there about how backstories are really important so for the listeners could you tell us a little bit about uh, I guess your working class credentials please <laughs> um yeah I come from Cornwall so I'm Cornish rural working class so I talk a lot about being rural coming from a rural background as well because then you're talking about transport and accessibility that way there's nothing there was nowhere to go to as a writer you couldn't get to the local city because you couldn't travel so I like to talk about the rural part as well so I was brought up in a small village called Down Derry in southeast Cornwall in on a small council estate with my mum my dad left when we were young and my mum took every cleaning job that was available in the village because that were the only jobs you could do especially mm-hmm. rurally I mean it's cleaning jobs or fishing for lads or it's the local crab factory you know it really was kind of slim picking so I learned very early on that whilst I wanted to be a writer I knew that I had to do everything I needed to do in order to to be a writer so that was yeah you needed to work so I took cleaning jobs I worked in factories in order to fund my writing basically I mean most people thought I was completely mad because where I come from you know you're not a writer you are you haven't got time to write uh-huh. so, so that was the thing I left school at 15 because I was kind of quite disaffected with no qualifications but for me it was it kind of didn't matter at that point because I wanted to be a writer so every cleaning job I did I always had a, a notebook and a pen in my back pocket and I was just always writing poetry or lyrics my career started off with poetry so yeah I just push 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 I know a lot of writers who they talk about drive and I've got a lot of drive and I know a lot of people don't but that drive comes from my passion to do better Mm -hmm. I suppose to have not just been one of those that sit around my village you know the local village and just drink and do drugs all the time I mean my generation that's pretty much what everyone just did that's what you did and then you just had you know you worked the local hotel and then when tourism when when it was the season for tourism you just worked in you know chalets cleaning chalets or so yeah that's that's my background is 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 very countrified but not in the way people think interesting isn't it I think when you think of Cornwall or when most people will think of Cornwall or any of our beautiful seaside towns or like countryside resorts you forget that there's you know there's another class of people not just the tourists going there it's it's you forget and it's forgotten unless you come from there and you've lived that I think yeah I talk about this in all my books my last book All Rivers Run Free which was published with Quirkus um, very much talks about that living in just complete uh, severe poverty Um, and people don't really realise that Cornwall is the second poorest part of Europe apart from a part in Wales you know we are our poverty is off the scale and people just think oh but it's idyllic I've been told off because I write about the true Cornwall like literally people who write about the, you know, the beautiful picturesque with the boats and the flowers around the cottage, those kind of covers uh-huh. that you see. If anyone ever comes to Cornwall, they see those books in all the bookshop windows, you know, and it's that idyllic and it, and it really pisses me off because we have such a poverty problem in Cornwall. We have no jobs, we have no prospects. And what's happened during COVID is a lot of people have moved down to Cornwall um, for long lets. So there's actually nowhere for, for locals mm-hmm to rent yeah, I was reading about that house prices are, are, are just off the scale anyway because of second homes but now we have this rental problem as well so yeah the, the poverty in Cornwall you know for me growing up is very much was was part of who I am I suppose and because I see it now I'm kind of get quite fired talking about that and as you say there are parts around the country you know 
Cumbria, Wales, Scotland, you know, there are places, lots of places that people think, yay, tourism, let's, let's go in there, eat our pasties and, you know, isn't it lovely and yeah, beautiful, but beauty doesn't pay for your, your, your bills or your food at the end of the day. Exactly that. And Natasha, you've totally passed the working class credentials question. Flying colours. But I I ask it for a reason. That is because I'd say that I am from a working class background. But me now, I'm I'm what I'd call definitively middle class. And if I'd chosen to have children, they'd also be middle class. But there's a real class crisis happening, I think, as to who qualifies as working class. And I noticed on um, the Classfest Twitter timeline... Some people threaten that they're taking up space because they've got a degree. And obviously, you can be working class and have a degree. You can have two degrees, you can have a master's, you can have a PhD, etc. There's a snobbery that says that education means you're no longer working class, and that's bullshit. But I did wonder, do you think the sands are shifting on what it means to be working class in Britain? When people ask me, I always say it firstly, it's, you know, it's in your heart, like you know if you're working class or not. You know, like I would be, people would think my lifestyle and my home and everything else, beautiful cottage in Cornwall, would be kind of middle class. But for me, it's it's who you are and who how you've brought up. Mm-hmm. And that's what, yeah, that conversation, actually, another one you were talking about, about people, um, academic or people who had done degrees. And of course, they're working class because they are, they identify as working class because that, that passion that has got them to do two degrees or yeah. PhD literally whilst working whilst bringing up kids whatever else you know that's what's in us that's what drives us it's in our blood to do it like for me doing what I wanted to do to be a published writer with I'm published with two the two of the biggest publishers in the world and I'm doing this festival and I'm like absolutely I'll go around and say yeah fucking good for me because that is the working class spirit so anyone who says they have done degrees and now they feel that they're not that's what made them working class because it's you know, that's the passion. That is the passion. And that's what working means. But yeah, sometimes people kind of wonder now if they're working class. I mean, it can come from grandparents. It's what you feel. It's very hard to say to someone whether they are or not. It's how they feel and how, how their parents, of course, brought them up. And it does come from a social economic place. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. You can be middle class, but then you can be living in poverty. And then, then that's a whole new discussion of how you know, as you say, if you had children, it would be starting to go a certain way. Same with me. Absolutely. If I had kids, they would be as, as probably as middle class because I don't live in poverty anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. so of course, but it could go the other way. You know, you could have somebody who then brings up their children in poverty and then, you know, so it's it's not a tick boxing exercise, is it? It's not like, yes, OK, council house tick, single parent tick. You know, it's not that. It's in your heart if you know you're working class and it's that pride as well. And you can do anything. I always say to people, you can do whatever you, you know, it just takes, it's just a bit harder. But, you know, and in publishing as well, there's quite a few people who are from really working class backgrounds who are publishing directors. And again, they're proud. They don't say to me, oh, am I working class? No, or not. They're proud to be working class. Like, yeah. no shit. I'm, they're like, I'm working class because of that pride, because it took them so much to get there without actually standing on the shoulders of people who, you know, their peers, who so-and-so went to Oxford, so-and-so's parent, this, that and the other. They actually got there on their own merit. We need to celebrate being working class. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And you mentioned it not being a box-ticking exercise. I remember, I think it was, 
I think it was the Guardian, probably, of course, it was the Guardian, did like a little <laughs> tick these boxes and work out what class you are. And because I oh, ticked man. like that, I'd been to the theatre and I'd been to an art gallery and been to the opera. And it was like, oh, no, you're, you're middle class. And it's like, it's bullshit. That is just such snobbery that working class people don't have an interest in these things. Or you yeah, read a book. Real prejudice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's prejudice. Yeah, but I, I think because they're making the decisions, it informs this vision of society that isn't true to what is real. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I grew up with books in the house, you know, but it doesn't mean that we were then rich. Fraud, you we were fraud. The library. Yeah, exactly. fraud. We went to the library, which was a mobile library that came to the village, you know, every other fortnight, uh-huh. because that was what we did, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Working class doesn't mean that you're uneducated in the ways that people think, you know. Yeah. We're sharp as pins, you know. It's just that we might not have gone through certain um, certain ways, especially my generation, but a lot more working class people younger than me are definitely pushing to go to university because it's, sometimes it's their only way out yeah you know but it is financially you don't have this whatever this bank of mother mum and dad is i mean i don't know what that is but that's that's the thing they don't have and i, I suppose that's what we'll come back to the festival that's what it's all about is about just making people aware that some people it's really hard to make it just that's it it's sometimes when you're working class it's really hard to make it because it come back down to poverty and social economics that is the barrier definitely and for writers it's a lot harder because often not connected or people don't want to read the themes and issues that some working class writers want to talk about So you mentioned there, alongside the issues that working class writers will write and talk about, having books in the house. And one of your events is called Writing for Change. Can words truly inspire a better world? And I don't want to piss on your panel parade, but it's a yes. It's a yes for me. Yeah. The thing is, obviously, access to resources can be a real issue for working class kids. But the library and always having books in the house was absolutely my refuge. And I think they are what first made me become aware of, of class and how it affected me, particularly reading fiction. I think I start, it was when I started sneaking my mum's Catherine Cookson books when I was about seven or eight. Oh, God bless you, Tilly Trotter. And then in, <laughs> in like quick succession and way too young, her Jilly Coopers a couple of years later. And the difference in what those characters not just got up to, but what they took for granted was astonishing to me at the time, even though I was really little. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I used to read Jackie Collins, actually. Yeah, me too. Far, far too. Far too young. I was like, whoa, this is, yeah. I love Jackie Collins. My mum's like, I don't know if you should be borrowing Jackie Collins <laughs> from the mobile library. But yeah, ab- absolutely. It's reading other people's lives, isn't it? So books are other people's lives. Reading, not just the writer, but the character's that's what it's all about that's what fiction is all about that's why it's so important that working class themes and issues are in books and written by working class people and it doesn't mean that they have to be that so-called poverty porn not at all it's that nobody knows better about diversity than the person who comes from a place of diversity whatever that diversity might be so I think a working class writer writing those characters those themes and issues definitely you're going to get more of an authentic voice And that for me is really important because there has been a time where a lot of middle class people 
have written those stories and they're not authentic and they're really patronizing or they're just completely off the mark. But yeah, talking about poverty porn, actually, you mentioned Terry White. She's going to be in conversation with Cash Carraway. I feel like you've stolen my questions, Natasha. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, carry on. I think we've sold out. I think we're trying to get some more tickets for that one because that, that's in conversation. And as you know, those two are just, you know, incredible. Yeah, they've both been on the podcast. They're so, they're such incredible yeah. women. Yeah. Yeah. Because that poverty porn thing is just absolute bollocks. And the term that has been banded around by middle-class people to just kind of pigeonhole you know the works that some of us write that are about our lives memoir predominantly um so they're really going to kind of bust that one open which is going to be brilliant and I do feel like you've snuck a, a peek at my questions I can guarantee you listeners she hasn't we are very much not in the same room but there are interesting and by interesting I mean endlessly infuriating tropes when it comes to representation of the working class and I'm going to talk about it on telly and it's either brutal and historic Down Mill or Pitt or it's a sunny mm. rags to riches story or it is poverty or misery porn and that's because ticking the box on screen is much easier than actually getting working class makers in the room to make television do you think that is changing tv is not a world that i know so much i'm getting to kind of i'm trying to infiltrate i saw you've got hat trick we've got hat trick which is brilliant and one of their producers um i was speaking at the royal society of um arts two years ago actually just before covid and one of the producers was there and they started chatting about how what they were trying to do and what could they do, basically. So so they said, well, they'd love to come to the festival. So, yeah, we've got six writers and producers from Hattrick to talk about their backgrounds, um, you know, the barriers to getting into that world. But, yeah, again, it's it's a world that I think very much its circle of influence is who you know, the world of script writing, screenwriting and TV. I think people need to bring those walls down a little bit more. There needs to be more... Um, chances for people to just get their work in and say have a read you know the same way that in in publishing now there were a few more like with literary agencies where they have open submission periods I mean with literate with with agencies the submission period is always ongoing but to have a real kind of public come and show us your wares type thing throw these stories at us tell us who you are you know and, and, and there has been a bigger drive in publishing but I think in other aspects of writing that is a little bit slower. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've also got a theatre writing for um, theatre and stage, which Sadie Hassler is, is coming in on that one. I love Sadie. She's amazing. Oh, she's she's, she's yeah, a big she's part gorgeous. of the Standard Issue family and she's so, so talented. Like yeah, Stiletto Beach and like re- readdressing what favorite, it means yeah. to be an Essex girl. She's so, yeah. she's so yeah. good. And she's so good at talking at events as well. So she's yeah, a good her, talker. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she can talk. She can talk to Essex. <laughs> I think the best and most accurate depiction I've ever seen of the working class on television is the big train skit on The Birds where there's a middle class couple and they're like, darling, they're coming. And like, then a working class person arrives. They're all men. Then another working class person, yeah. they're like, and it's just, that's actually what you think of us. I think that's what the middle class yeah, yeah, think yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because right at the beginning, people were like, oh, a working class festival. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> and, you know, people are like, working class women. Oh, no. You know, just, <laughs> what, <what's, laughs> 
But Natasha, working class women, like, I mean, you were already on Standard Issues radar and big hearts, like squishy shaped signs at you. But your panels are, the ratio is what, 75% women? And I just want, I kind of want to smooch you through the Zoom screen. Um, (laughs) Was that something you did deliberately? Very much deliberate, yeah, because most festivals, as I said, I've been writing and I've been traveling to, to festivals a long time. And there's not enough women and there's not enough anyone of any diversity, including women, mm-hmm. is predominantly is white men. You know, I obviously I've got a lot of mates who are working class who are women. Um, and I, I definitely wanted, they've got some brilliant books. There's some absolute brilliant books. So I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to have to have all these people in the festival in one way or another or doing running workshops or whatever it might be. But yeah, working class women, I mean, women don't push as much as men, you know, in life. They're not, you know, pushing their agenda, I suppose. And then a lot of working class men were just kind of always at the front, always really shouty. And mm-hmm. for me, you know, memo, whoever wants to listen, if you're really shouty about your book and asking why the fuck am I not at your festival and look at my brilliant book, I'm working class, my book is working class, that's going to put the artistic director off, you know, because you just <laughs> say, I don't want this pushed person. I'm not into bullies. So people who write and say, you know, this is this, if you want to read my book or I can send it or what do you reckon? You know, we've got some lovely blokes coming to the festival. We've got a, a lovely uh, writer called Alberto who's coming from Milan, who was who were flying over. He's got a book out called Down and Out in Italy and England. And he worked in Bristol as a cleaner for many years. He's got this brilliant book out. So, you know, there's a guy who naturally through conversation, Italian, definitely, you know, somebody who's different from the normal white kind of shouty English blokes so you know but yeah mostly are women absolutely because women are a little bit less pushy you know when I've come across some people's books I just think and I've got in contact and I said do you want to come and they're like oh yeah if you'll have me and you're like well you've written this brilliant book uh-huh. I'm gonna have you on one of these panels you know absolutely and that that for me is why we've got so many people you know so many writers I think we're heading towards 60. I love this, Natasha. I love this because we've been told and we're told in all walks of life that what women need to do to get higher up, to not be murdered, to not be raped, is to change our behaviour. When actually what you've done is gone, well, I'm not going to fix the women. It's like, you know, they're not pushy. That's great. I'm going to fix the festival. I'm going to fix how we attract these writers so you know yeah. you gotta be pushy shouty you must have me I'm an important man can get in the sea for now and yeah. showcase these incredible women I think it's brilliant yeah absolutely I can't believe so many people have agreed as well you know because for me everyone's getting paid the same so I was worried that certain writers might be well I, I want more but for me I wanted everyone to be the same even the chairs so that's brilliant because I know chairing is a hard gig to chair a panel. So chairs are getting paid the same. People who are running workshops are being paid the same. It just makes it easier and it makes everyone feel that they are all valid the same. So that's what's really important for me to get as many people, as many different people though as well from different walks of life, but working class, you know. So nature writing. So I'm doing a nature writing panel for writers like Anita Sethi, for example, mm-hmm. whose new book, I Belong Here, which is a brilliant book. She's a nature writer. She's from Manchester. So I'm, I'm changing those kind of assumptions of what a nature writer is, for example. This is a, you know, this is a really talented Asian woman from a city. She is a brilliant nature writer, as opposed to those boring white men, middle-aged. It's about shaking, shaking it up, shaking it up and saying, you know, okay, that's actually 
go against every, what everybody perceives as a nature writer or as a, a memoir writer or writing for theatre. You know, we've got Karen Blick coming from Emmerdale, who is absolutely brilliant. She's on the same panel as Sadie, which I just think, you know, she got in touch with me ages ago, like a year ago, and I said, I'd love you to come to the festival. And she said, well, if I'm, if I'm not filming, you know. So then again, I want because it's another voice that's from TV. So yeah. again, it's not just that writing, because most literary festivals, and I even hate the word literary, I suppose, is because it's just fiction, predominantly fiction, yeah. with, a, with, a, with a little bit of non-fiction. Well, it's not. For me, it's poetry. We've got a brilliant poetry event at the Wardrobe Theatre on the Sunday, first come, first serve, with Tony Walsh as compere. You know, so it's, yeah, it's poetry, it's playwriting, it's script writing, it's non-fiction, it's fiction, it's debut writers, it's beatbox, it's everything. It's all writing. For me, writing is all of it. And that's what I want this festival to be. It's not just the working class part, it's the, an explosion of writing and a celebration of writing and literature. Because literary festivals are incredibly boring. They have the same <laughs> boring people famous people who just might have written a book you know and I'm done with that and I know I've got I've got into trouble talking about this before but I just I'm so bored of festivals and you look at the lineup it's predominantly white predominantly men and they're predominantly you know game show host has written the book or it's, it's that kind of thing and I'm, I'm just done with it I want writers real writers shirt sleeves up well, Natasha, I mean, Class Fest sounds fucking glorious. And as we've covered, you've got the excellent Terry White and also superb Cash Carraway on a panel together talking about the working class memoir. And on the very same day, Doyen of Crime, Val McDermott, and they would be my big recommends. And it was it was tough to choose them. And that is me as an uh, sort of objective eye. So now I'm going to be really mean because I know this is a mean question, but which events are you most excited about? Um... Well, I think the speed pitching with Hachette, because that's kind of really, really, you know, it's going to be very stressful for us because we're, <laughs> people, it's going to be like um, speed dating. Yeah. So people literally going to be like 10, 15 <laughs> minutes and in and out. So it's going to be like Piccadilly Circus. That's in Watershed, um, in the centre of Bristol. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. Definitely uh, in conversation, um, Cash and Terry. God, what else? We've just, we've, we've got a young adult and kids writing for young adult kids a panel with some brilliant writers mm -hmm. which I think is really important because that's another area of fiction that people don't really have at festivals you know you might have the odd children's festival or young adult in, and these writers literally prop up the industry yeah so for me that's very important yeah the poetry events it's this it's just so much there's a working so class much. pride event as well isn't there working class pride events yeah quite a few um, workshops around the city, around Bristol, because it was really important for us to not just be in the city centre, but go into communities as well. Yeah. So Noel West Media Centre, who are brilliant, are very much part of our festival. And we've, doing, we've done a writers in residence with them as well. Yes, Sarah Shafi's coming, Paul Menz, incredible writers, Stella Duffy, who I love. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, and I've had, just had so much fun putting kind of putting p different people together really. We have another event with Bassett Mahmood, who is chairing um, this event with quite a few industry loudmouths, I suppose, but, you know, brilliant, brilliant loudmouths who are not afraid to talk about the industry. Um, and they'll be talking about diversity and pay in publishing, which is going to be an absolute brilliant event because that's really important as well. 
Um, and it's just that myth busting, you know, it's, it's a lot of myth busting and that's, that's what is really important. It's not just about celebrating writing, it's just having an insight into the world of publishing as well. I'm part of an event as well, which is a Fuago event at um, Waterstones on the Friday night, which we sold out, but we're getting more tickets for that as well. So Waterstones Friday night, which is um, a, a collection of women's stories called Hag. I love Farago. It's my favourite publisher, I think. It, it was retelling of folklore, basically, mm. folk tales. And I'm the Cornish, I'm the Southwest kind of writer. But we've got a few writers for that. Masuda Snaith is coming. She did the Midland story. Emma Glass, who's from Wales. So we were contributors to that book, Hag. And we are going to be our chair. We're really lucky our chair is going to be our editor, who is um, Rose Tomasowska from Barago, so that's going to be a lovely event. I am bloody loving this list of excellent women. Yay. Um, and like I said at the <laughs> top, this is the inaugural class fest, but I'm guessing you'd like to do it again. I mean, not necessarily the admin, but certainly the vibe. Yeah, I know. And I've told everyone I know, like, the last few months, if you hear me saying, oh, yeah, 2022, just say, like, please stop. <laughs> but yeah, the closer I'm getting, I'm just, yeah. I, I just think it's too good. And there's so many writers that I haven't been able to have on the panels this year or who can't make it because they've got other events. So I'm already starting to think of next year because I know how many different things we can do and how much more. And, you know, as you know from, from the work that you do, once you've done something, you know what works and what doesn't, uh-huh. yeah. you know. And you know what the things that are time-consuming and you think, okay, I can do that in a different way next time. And I, I'm touring now from kind of now from class fest i'm going to be doing a tour around the country talking about these issues which are just incredibly important it's called the breaking class tour so amazing where can people find out about that just on twitter natasha carthew that'll do it or through class festival twitter handle for class festival is at class festival nice and simple love it and all the events are online at bristolideas.co.uk and then it's a really intuitive website where you'll find the drop down for the working class writers festival yeah i I should just say as well all everything is free all panels all workshops are free so um get involved and a lot of a few things are online as well we've got some festival partners like um the women's prize they're doing an online an online workshop which is brilliant with Kate Moss. So people who can't get down, they can still access the festival and everything will be recorded either video or audio for um, post enjoyment in weeks to come. (laughs) There's a real joy in following at Class Festival, by the way, listeners, if you're not already doing this, because it's clearly written by Natasha and your excitement just comes through. It's like you're you're reading (laughs) something that's sort of an official thing and it's just like exclamation marks and giddiness and it's absolutely joyous. (laughs) Absolutely. I've not I'm not I'm not the best at filtering myself, you know, but <laughs> good for me this, this this festival is is a baby. It's like when you have a book out, but it's a festival so it's really big and a lot of people are involved. So for me it's just yeah, it's, it's just and I am enjoying it because that's what it's all about. And the feedback from people, it's you know, it's not for me, it's for it's for all those people as you see as you say, you read the Twitter feed and people are just getting so excited and people are just feeling so much part of this community, which is really important. Natasha, thank you so much for chatting with me. And good luck with the festival. It deserves to be a huge success. I know, next week. Yay. (laughs) Standard Issue for All Women.